This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show. Today, we'll be featuring me. I was recently on Michael Zuber's YouTube show, one rental at a time. And in this episode, I share my story of my entire real estate career so far and talk about the lessons that I've learned along the way. It's been a very interesting ride and we go back and forth and the conversation is just so entertaining. I had to put it back on. Enjoy. Sean, why don't you just do us a quick favor and introduce yourself, where you are in the country, a little bit about your background before we kind of dive into the questions. Absolutely. So good morning, everybody. My name is Sean Pan. I'm 29 years old and I live here in the Bay Area. More specifically, I live in Milpitas, California, which is centered right in between San Jose and Fremont. And I've been investing in real estate for about three years now. Started investing in Jacksonville, Florida, had some buy and hold properties over there, and then moved on to investing in rehabs here in the Bay Area, specifically Sunnyvale and Santa Clara. Very, very cool. What's funny, I don't, we didn't talk about this last time. I actually grew up in Sunnyvale. I lived at uh, Wolf and El Camino for 20 years of my life. One of the properties I just sold is on Hampton Drive, which is oh. right next to Wolfen on Camino. That's funny. Wow, this world is so small sometimes. Um, so why don't we dive into what we got started with? So you, you sound like your first investment in real estate was some buy and holds in, in Florida. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? Uh, you know, out-of-state investing as a first step is, uh, is, 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 you know, for people who live in the Bay Area, it's pretty common actually. Uh, but let's talk about out-of-state investing real quick. Well, first of all, the reason why you, we invest in out-of-state is because it's a lower price point. So it's a very you know, easy and it's not too scary to invest out-of-state where you're only risking you know, a couple of tens of thousands of dollars. Whereas if you buy a property here in the Bay Area, it's a million dollars to purchase a single family home and it doesn't cash flow. Yeah. Basically what happened was I was at work. After a few years, I realized I don't want to be here forever. And I thought, what's the way out? And just like your promotion, like you're promoting one rental at a time, that was my thought process too. I read the books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I started going on websites like Quora.com where people are talking about the best ways to get that financial freedom. I went on BiggerPockets.com and BiggerPockets pushes, you know, cash flowing out of state rentals. Yeah. So I subscribed to that mentality. And so I looked into buying in Jacksonville. And the reason why I even picked Jacksonville is because people kept saying, go to meetups, go to meetups, go to meetups. And on almost every single meetup, Jacksonville is one of the top 10 consistently on those top 10 lists of good places to invest in. And at the time, they had pros and cons. So, you know, they have pros and cons of all the different cities. Most of them are, you know, in the middle of the country. Some of them have snow. Some of them have hurricanes. <laughs> I'm sorry, some of them have tornadoes, right? And I thought, Florida has hurricanes, but how often do those really do damage? And of course, like the year after I bought those properties, we had Hurricane Irma. And like this latest one where it just leveled a bunch of stuff. And luckily, my property didn't get affected, but I just thought it was pretty funny at the time. That's, that's awesome. And again, yeah, you know, when, you're, uh, when, you, when you live on the coast, right, Orange County, the Bay Area, New York, other expensive locales, all the books I ever read when I started were investing in your backyard. And I kept reading those, right, 30 minutes to your house. I'm like, guys, I spent a year and there's, there's nothing, right? You're looking at, a, you know, in Sunnyvale. One point whatever for a 1950 ranch? Are you freaking kidding me? 
right? There's no way this thing's for cash flow. So it makes total sense that we, that people would go out of state. So you've had a couple, uh, in Florida now. Um, how's it been? Dude, I love those. It's just passive cash flow. Every single month I get a nice check. Of course, most of that check goes to mortgage payments and sometimes expenses. Sure. But still, you know, getting those passive cash flow for doing nothing is great. One and rental at a time works. Yeah. And that number increases year over year. Yeah. That's awesome. So have you already had, have you already raised rents? Has it been long enough to raise rents? Absolutely. Yeah. They've raised about a hundred dollars per door since then. So I have about six doors over in Jacksonville right now. That's awesome. And, and again, that, what, what people don't realize is, is I, I keep telling them that this, this, this business is a, it, you got to think in decades. So you got to think 10 years. And why I say that is because you're going to go through different growth patterns, right? You're in the acquisition mode now, right? Where you, where you've got to six, you know, that's going to keep growing. But then as time tricks by and you're now in your 35 and you're 36 or whatever it is, you're going to go, oh my God, I just raised rents a hundred bucks per door. And that's like two grand, right? And all of your raise, at least most of it is just more cash flow, right? Because you're already covering the debt service with old money. So all the rent increase is yours. Uh, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, it goes straight to the bottom line pretty much. Yep, exactly right. All right. So you, you get a little taste of investing in Jacksonville. Then, uh, you know, as you said in your introduction, you get, uh, you get a hankering to do some local flips and, uh, how, you know, do you remember the first flip you did? Absolutely. I remember the first flip I did. Why don't we talk about that? Okay. So essentially I had the mentality of buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold. Mm -hmm. You know, like I never intended to be a flipper. Mm -hmm. I thought flipping is dangerous. It's, you know, short-sighted and it's a job. It's a job. Yep. It's a job. But like I mentioned before, all the forums say, go to your local meetups, meet people, and then start doing stuff. Well, that's what I did. And in the Bay Area, most of these meetups are all about flipping houses. Yeah. So when you hang out with flippers long enough, you become a flipper yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're the average of the five people you hang out with. Amen. It's just how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I um, went to enough of these meetups that eventually I said, okay, uh, maybe I'll start flipping houses. I started going to these events. And at first people wouldn't talk to me because I have no experience in flipping houses. <laughs> you know how it goes, right? They say, Oh, how are you doing? What kind of investing do you do? I say, Oh, I don't do anything here. And they go, okay. And they kind yeah. of walk away. Walk away. So I felt kind of bad. <laughs> I felt kind of bad. Uh, you know, I wanted to get into a deal. I wanted to try something new. And so what I did was I started volunteering at a local meetup, SJRENC. Thank you, Jeff. If you're listening to this, I was his volunteer boy. So me and another friend of mine, we would sit at the desk and check everybody in and take their money and whatnot. And by doing that, we gained a lot of exposure. By sitting next to my friend, Elisa Zhang, she's actually pretty popular and someone you might want to interview in the future. So she's a hustler. Like she hated her job so much. She was working at like Verizon at the time. She would just make phone calls like all day trying to get in touch with these brokers who have these off-market listings. Anyways, at the time, she was already into so many of her own deals. Yeah. She got another off-market listing and said, man, I can't, I can't do anything with this. And she kind of went around to different people. They didn't want it. They didn't want to buy it from her from a, as a wholesale. And she's like, Hey, Sean, I know you wanted to get into this. Are you interested? We could partner on this and you know, you take care of everything, but we'll split the profit. Yep. That way I don't have to pay a wholesale fee to her. And I said, I'm, I'm so down, you know, I'm so down. I want to try this. Um, this property was on Borregas Avenue also in Sunnyvale. Oh, funny. Okay. I yep. lived on Borregas for a little while. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this house was really small, you know, like 1250 square feet, yep. three bed, two bath. It looked like, you know, old style. So the roof is kind of flat. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know that area. <laughs> yeah. And 
and you know it was okay. We bought it for a decent price, you know, eight hundred sixty-five thousand, I think, which is pretty amazing because that house does not look that pretty. Yeah. But for HD five, that's pretty cheap for the area. Yeah. Uh, then let's see. We got in there, and honestly, I was scared because you know how like there's always like before photo where you're like, oh my god, this house has been lived in with older people, and it just looks kind of deteriorated on the inside. It's dark. Yeah. yeah. I thought there's no way we can fix this house up. It's it's a lost cause, but people, my contractor especially, was saying, "Okay, don't be scared. Like we can make this real nice." I said, "Okay, yeah. I trust you." Yeah. Basically, we put in about seventy-five thousand dollars. The contractor was extremely quick. We had a turnaround time of about three months from close to close. Yeah. And at the time, this was end of twenty seventeen. The market was just booming, 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 and every hot. month I would see the prices increase. Like our comps would go from you know, up 50,000, up a hundred thousand. I said, Oh my goodness. Like I might be able to sell this for like, you know, extra hundred grand than I projected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we finally sold it. We sold it for $1.4 million. Woo! And we, we netted almost, you know, over $300,000 on one deal. And so that really opened my eyes. I thought, Oh my God, like my <laughs> taxes on this property is higher than my base salary at work. So why did I go to work this whole year? Yeah, it's amazing. So, I mean, I, that's when I, my eyes opened. I thought, okay, this has potential. You know, I tried other businesses in the past. Like yeah. I tried selling selfie sticks on Amazon. I tried uh, coding and starting and creating apps on you know, Google Play and, and iTunes. But this is the one where you can get like a nice chunk of cash. Yeah. And ideally, I was going to take that money and buy apartment buildings in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. That was the thought process at least at the time. Yeah. Build, get chunk money, use chunk money to buy more buy and holds, right? That's, you know, that's the dream, right? Absolutely. Uh, so, so a couple of things you said, you shared there first, because again, I've been doing this a long time. Um, what you didn't know, um, I guess you might've sensed it, but you didn't know is you were, the market was protecting you, right? The market was going up. The market was screaming hot and uh, that's not normal. Right. <laughs> you know, there, there, there been, there's been two times in my 16 year career where it just didn't, it didn't matter if you ran a bad business, the market protected you. That was kind of 06, 07. And then, you know, like late 17, early 18, um, where stuff just went up because the supply demand was so unbalanced. So uh, first off, congratulations, you know, $300,000 profit on a flip is uh, in, in, What'd you say? Three months? That's a hundred K a month, man. That's, that's not, that's, that, that's okay. Right. It's, it's all right. That's all right. Yeah. No big deal. No big and, deal. um, that's amazing. So I'm guessing you, you see that you go, wow, if some, some is good, more is better. So, uh, I'm guessing there was a second flip in your future. That's right. Actually. So after that, you never want to be like a one hit wonder, right? Yeah. Cause it was like feeling like, Oh, I did it once I can do it again. Mm-hmm. But by the time I closed on that property, it was December, 2017. Mm. And you know, it's crazy how we hold, held on to that property till like, you know, February, 2018, it would have gone up another hundred grand. Oh, wow. So like my friend, Lisa was looking back like, Hey, we should have sold this later, you know, but you can't think like that, right? No, take the 300 grand, move on, <laughs> take the wins and move on. But it's crazy because I saw the power of talking to agents and getting off market listings. Cause that's what she did. So I spent my days just calling agents, calling agents. And because the market was so hot, every agent was like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, not not- off market deal. No, 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 no. It's, it's going on the market full price. I even had agents come up to me and say, hey, look, 
this is an off-market deal, okay? This guy just bought this house and closed on it a month ago. <laughs> and he wants to sell it for only 50 grand more than what he bought it for. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> dude, I saw that in 2000. I saw people doing that with raw land back in 07 and 08. People would buy into a new build. Oh, I bought first phase. Here, buy my contract for 50 grand. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? It's crazy. So it happened again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so real, real quick, I'm sorry. I didn't ask about the first deal. So um, you bought it for 865. Was that your money, private money, a bank loan? How'd you get into that 865? Because I know we'll get questions from folks. Absolutely. So, you know, I've been working for not, not that long, but I save a lot of money. So if you knew me in college, I was that guy that doesn't go out. You know, I had a girlfriend back then. Why should I go out? Yeah. I save my money. People think I'm like super stingy and stuff, but you know, I, I, I didn't like spending money. Mm -hmm. uh, I held it. I started learning how to invest. I had in the stock market. Obviously, just like you said, because the market was good, it covered me. And no matter what I put my money in, it all went up. So You're a genius. Me. You're Warren Buffett. <laughs> exactly. Confidence is real. And I started thinking, man, all these people are so conservative. Like they must have, uh, their models must be wrong. You know, <laughs> their models suck. The market is right. The models are wrong, whatever. So yeah, I had, I had enough capital for that, for the down payment at least. So I got right. in with a hard money loan. Okay. Put uh, 10% down payment and then hard money covers the rest of it. Yeah. So you were, you're, were you paying monthly on that hard money? That's right. Monthly on the hard money. It's like four grand, six grand. Uh, that one was about five. Yeah. Five, five grand, grand, right? Right off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. That's a, so again, the market protects you, right? Right. in that 5k checks, no big deal. When it goes up 50 grand a month, it's like, ah, no big deal. Right. No big deal. No big deal. But and markets it's only short term too. It's only for three months. Not, not a big deal at all. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now uh, you get done with this first one. You start calling brokers looking for the second one. Um, I'm guessing you found a second one eventually. Yeah. So what happened was I ended up partnering with another friend of mine. Okay. He independently also got a deal around the same time frame, And he also made around $300,000. So both of us are sitting pretty like, oh, money is easy to be made. Like you're just throwing stacks on the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the time he was working at Intero you know, the real estate um, yeah. brokerage company as like their like, you know, secretary kind of guy making yeah. what, 15 bucks an hour. So after that, she was like, I don't need this. And he just left. Yeah. Do real estate full time. So I thought, man, he's doing real estate full time. I have a lot of capital too. Yeah. Let's like combine forces and do something together. Okay. So I partnered with him and we ended up sending, you know, just like casual 11 grand worth of mailers, you know, who cares? Yeah. 11 grand worth 11 of mailers. 11 grand of mailers. Ouch. Well, like in this area, I think the average is about $18,000 per acquisition. So okay. 11 grand. And if, oh. you get, if you get a deal, that's, that's actually considered pretty good. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's yeah. good to know. All right. So, you know, we, we blasted everything and we got a bunch of calls for sure. You know, most of them are cussing us out saying, how, how dare you ask us to sell our house to you, you know? Um, but, you know, we actually, we did get one really good letter. Mm -hmm. uh, so from those, from those batches, we got two deals. You know, okay. one worked out really well and one worked out very, very poorly. But we'll talk about the good one first. Sure. The, uh, she was an out-of-state owner. So she had this huge property on Sunnyville. It was on Oneida Drive. Yep. I know. You know where Oneida is? So I these do. houses, they look like, uh, like the Leave it to Beaver houses. Yeah. You know, huge 2,000 square feet homes with like five bedrooms and three bathrooms. It was yeah. ridiculous. And, you know, she wanted something pretty high, maybe like, 2.2 million dollars and we looked at our arv and we thought ooh, like 
if, if we're lucky, maybe we can get 2.4 million for it. So yeah. if we buy a 2.2, there's absolutely no way we would make any money. Yeah, no room, yeah. And we said, look, like, we started negotiating with her and she had a base price. And we said, how about this? Instead of us buying it from you, how about we partner on this together? So you keep the home, you know, you continue paying whatever mortgage that you have and taxes and utilities and whatnot. And we'll come in, we'll get a contractor to you know, fix up the house and we'll pay for the contractor. Mm. But at close of escrow, you reimburse us plus some money for our time. And then after a certain price point, we'll split that gross 50, 50. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then also we said that we would be able to choose the agent. And because I have a license, yeah. um, even though I don't really practice it, you know, I get a referral from the agent. Sure. So then we got some extra commission from there. And then okay. she's like, yeah, that sounds like a great deal. Okay. That's very creative. Yeah. I have not heard of that. Um, how did, did you actually put together a note or some kind of joint venture paperwork to protect everyone? Yes, we did. Although to be honest, I don't know how strong that note would hold up in court. <laughs> yeah. Cause we wrote it uh, and it, you know, it, it explains everything, yeah. but I don't know if that would actually legitimately hold up in court. No, but, but yeah, there was some kind of agreement with ink on it where you both signed. So there was at least an appearance of, I don't know, security. And legitimacy and you know we have like witness signatures and whatnot too so all right know, it felt like you know and plus people don't want to like scam other people right no. so you, well, know, you write well, down you hope your word. <laughs> yeah, this is your word and you know hopefully you perform to this yeah but, okay all yeah. right so it sounds like that was that was a good one so she signs how long was the the make ready or, or remodel and then ultimately the sale so that one i think was about a this was about June and we sold it mid September. All right. So another three or four months. So, so far you're, you're cranking along. And when that, when you exit that one, how much did you and your partner roughly get out of it? So I think total, we made about 160 grand profit wow. net net for our yeah, side. I would. So, so far you're, you're knocking on the door of a half a million bucks in two deals. Yeah. That's pretty so money, money, you know, I'm like, you know, at this time at work, I'm just sitting there like, man, I don't want to be here. Talk to all my coworkers and they're talking about working really hard and getting promotions. And I'm like, you guys are foolish. Like, I, yeah. I just spent like, you know, a couple of weeks chilling and I got the same money as you did working hard, getting that promotion, you know? Yeah, that's, that's uh, okay. All right. Now you get, uh, now you get slapped in the face. Something didn't work out. It's very, very bad. It's a horror story of all, all right. horror stories. Oh, so the other mailer we got, it's so funny because at the time I thought we got a great deal and I would actually talk about this deal as if it's a success story. Mm. So a success story turned to giant failure. So basically this house is also in Sunnyvale, Hampton Drive, near the one that you lived yep. by. Okay. Beautiful home right next to the Apple campus. Oh yeah. Two yeah. long blocks from it. Yeah. And the house was actually on the market for $2 million. Okay. And the agent is from Turlock. So it's, you know, two house. hours away from here. Yeah. He doesn't want to come by for like open house. Four hours away from here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he took his pictures with like, I don't know, a crappy little camera, maybe yeah. a flip phone camera. Yeah. You know, the people live there. So the furniture was all around, you know, yeah. blurry. And he said, no open houses. If you want to go in the house, please contact the seller directly. If you're a regular home, like buyer, are you really going to contact this home seller? No. No. Exactly. No okay. Down the street, same street, Hampton. Okay. was a nicer home, a little bit bigger. And it was on the market for $2.5 million. 
So I thought, okay, you know, I don't think our house can go for 2.5, but maybe 2.2, maybe yeah. 2.3. I'm thinking that seems pretty reasonable. This house is big, 2,000 square feet as well. Yeah. And it was this for two, no bids. They said they got someone for 1.925. And then they were like, nah, they wanted two. But yeah. then he backed away. And then there was nothing else after that. Okay. And according to my numbers, I thought we can get it. Like if we got for 1.8, we'd already be pretty good in the clear. Okay. And I just read this book. Um, I can't remember the, the title of it, but it's a negotiating book by Chris Voss. Okay. So it's like, I think it's like negotiate as if your life depended on it or something like that. All right. Um, and he said, if you want to negotiate with numbers, you have to write exact numbers. So if you write like 1.8, they'll say, nah, I want 1.85. So I told my friend to bid low. We bid 1.7 at first. They said no. And I said, let's give them a really weird number. So it's just random numbers. So it's like 1.75923. Okay. Okay. And I remember that because it's such a weird number, right? And they, thought, they looked at it and said, whoa, like who, who puts a bid like this? And then they actually accepted it. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. We actually got it for, you know, under 40 grand, uh, 40 grand under than what we thought we should be buying it for. Okay. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. And then the agent says, okay, write up the offer. And I thought, oh my God, like he doesn't realize that usually we let the selling agent double end it. Yeah. So I wrote the offer. I got an extra 45 grand. I thought, whoa, like (laughs) this is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, Uh, so far, so far you're smelling like roses. Now you're up to half a million bucks. Exactly. And then, you know, the house was actually in pretty good shape. We didn't think we would need to do that much work to it. Okay. But we went in and we thought, oh, okay. Like we have a lot of margin here. Why not? Like, why not make it the prettiest and best? Oh, ouch. Yeah. So then we went in there. We said, oh, there's a chimney in the middle of the living room. Let's, 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 let's remove that and make an open living space. Um, you know, all three bathrooms. Yeah, why not? It's only 10 grand each. Let's, let's, let's fix the bathroom. We got money. Uh-huh. It, we made the whole house beautiful. Okay. But it took all a right. long time. Yeah. Because when we remove that chimney, now you have uh, architects, structural engineers, and city inspectors who do come in and look at everything. And that pushed us out by an extra month or a month oh, and a half. Oh, at least a month. Yeah, probably a month, six weeks. Easy, yeah. Because when we remove that chimney, there is this weird story. I, honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. But you know how there's a giant beam that replaces whatever structural thing yeah. you have? Okay, there's a giant beam. And then that beam needs to be supported by some, some other beam that goes to the ground. And yep. then that beam on the ground has to connect to your foundation. Anchored, yeah. It's like some kind of joist, right? Yep. But the joist was a different size. Like it needed to be this wide instead of this wide. And because of that, we got delayed three weeks because we need our structural engineer to confirm. Yes. Like that new joist will work on this beam three weeks for that. Yeah. Okay. Whatever right. it is, what it is, right? We kept right. moving. So your, your and timeline starts to slip. Starts to slip. And you by the time we finish spending a little too much money, I wouldn't even say too much money. Okay. We kind of budgeted between a little under hundred thousand dollars. This All is right. a nice house. Okay. You know, okay. Right. dollars home. I'm not okay. going to triple that. Okay. Um, we finally pulled the market in late October. This is October 18th. Yeah. A couple months ago. Oh, and at the time we're sitting pretty, like I had a bunch of money sitting, looking at me like, all right, that's good. I, I'm okay. Um, but that's market, when fire happens. Yeah. Okay. The market oh, the- slips. The fire up in paradise. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. People don't want to go outside in a yeah. fire. No, I remember, dude. I couldn't run. I run all the time. I was like, oh my god, I can't breathe. I went to Santana Row with a friend, and it was the first time that I didn't have to wait in line for this restaurant I go to. <laughs> I said, oh, we just have to walk in. What's going on here? 
Yeah. Oh, fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I go to Santana Row all the time. What's your, what's your, what's your choice? Is it, uh, which one? Oh man, it's slipping me right now. But that one seafood. Oh, EMC. My friend EMC. actually owns it uh, oh, in SoCal. Okay. He owns the branch. So. Oh so yeah, cool. EMC. I like Everybody. it. There you go. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, so you put it on the market. You know, life events happen. In this case of a horrible fire in Paradise, which created yep. horrible air condition for us down here. Yep. Uh, but also that means nobody's going to open houses. No one's going to open houses. And then you know, one week goes by, two weeks go by, and then three weeks go by, and people say, "Hey, how come your DOM so high?" If yeah. you don't know what DOM is, it's days on market. Yeah. So in this area, if your house doesn't sell within nine days, there's something wrong with your house, right? Like yeah, there's exactly. instant stigma that people are like, oh, there must be something wrong with this home. And then they start nitpicking. Yes. They said, hey, this house looks pretty dark. It's not dark. <laughs> it's just that it's really bright outside, right? You go inside the home. Okay, it's a little bit darker. Yeah, yeah. The house also had this one major flaw. And the major flaw is that there's no garage. Aha, uh-huh. yes. Yeah. For me... You know, I grew up here in the Bay Area. Who, who needs a garage? Like, there's yeah. plenty of parking outside. Yeah. People park their stuff in their garage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, garages in the Bay Area are not for cars. <laughs> They're for no, stuff. not for cars. They're for stuff. They're for, like, bicycles and snowboards and, like, whatever, like, old printers you have. Exactly. Maybe, like, a laundry room, too. And, and it's just crazy. People were like, oh, my God, there's no garage here? And that's a deal breaker. And there's a giant shed in the back. Okay, there's a giant shed in the back and there's a carport and there's drive space and there's, you know, you can park on the street. It's not like yeah. some other places here where you can't even park on the street. There's yep. plenty of parking on the premises, but no garage. Okay. And so, you know, a whole month goes by. And this is getting to December timeframe and the market really cooled down back then. It did, yeah. And granted, don't forget, I'm, I bought this with hard money. Yes, you so did. For one point, like, basically I bought for 1.7 and the hard money was for about 1.58. So hard money with 1.58 is 11 and a half grand a month. Ouch. Okay. That's on one house. Okay. I had other properties also <laughs> so every single month I'm paying big, big, big checks. And I went on a trip to Asia to kind of like decompress. And I bought this, I bought this trip, you know, way back when, when I thought I had a lot of money, I was going to go out and party every single day. That didn't happen. It ended up being a trip of self-reflection. And I would talk to my friends in like Taiwan and, asking about the economics there and how much they make after graduating from college. And I was like, my God, I'm paying your salary every month in holding costs alone. I felt like a pretty big boss, not gonna lie. Like, all right, yeah. like <laughs> I can afford to pay this every single month, but it hurt. I'm sure. Yeah. And you know, we took it off the market for a whole month to reset the DOM. We put it back on the market in February and the same thing happened. Like we even reduced the price. People would come in, they would love the house and then say, oh, no garage. That's great. Uh, okay. So I actually went to the city. I said, Hey, what can we do about this? And we looked at it and the, the answer is nothing. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the lot, you know, lots are usually square and the house is usually also parallel, a smaller square within that bigger square. Yep. This house was built uh, at a time where you can build a house however you wanted. So this, you know, smaller square was actually a long rectangle and crooked. <laughs> so I don't have a setback to create a, you know, 10 foot driveway to convert that back a storage shed into a new garage right. since the property is also crooked i can't create a garage like going straight because they want the garages to be parallel to the street yeah and you know essentially if i wanted a garage really really badly i would have to scrape the whole house and do a new build which is yeah. what my neighbors are doing now actually the neighbors are doing a new construction and that house is gonna be worth like 3.5 million dollars when they're done wow yeah all right so how does this uh, how does this end i'm assuming you don't own it but i don't know that for sure Did yep so basically, we put on the market for another month or so, 
and just nothing happens, no offers. And okay. I'm, I'm drowning at this point. I can't hold it anymore. I talked to everybody and everyone's shocked because who knew that a garage would be our downfall like this? Yeah. No one, no one, no one knew this. Not even my agent, not any investors. Um, yeah, we just had to knock down the price even more, just get a bunch of people in there and then finally get offers. And yeah, we finally got an offer, but it was very, 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 very low. Okay. And oh, don't forget when you have hard money, usually it's a one-year term. So yeah. after one year, if you can't complete, it's a bloom payment. You need to pay it back. So you need to refi or go bankrupt, right? Yeah. No choice. Yeah. So at the point, I wasn't trying to refinance it. We don't know how much longer we could hold it for. Renting it on Airbnb didn't really make sense because Air, uh, in Sunnyvale, there's Airbnb ordinances, yeah. which means that you can't do it unless you live in the house. Yeah. Um, if you rent it out, you can maybe get 4,500 bucks a month, but then, you know, 4,500 bucks, but I'm spending 11 and a half grand. Yeah. Also, once you rent it out, um, the value of the property drops as well because now it's not a new home. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So we just said, all right, get rid of it. And we sold it for like 1.675. So a hundred ah. grand less than what we bought it for. And you lost all your repair money and your holding costs and, and the holding costs. So it was a huge, 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 huge loss. Yeah. So let's, so let's just talk about this. This, this is great that we're talking about this because this is reality. This um, is reality. Yeah. So flipping is a job just like wholesaling. But what, what I tell people all the time, the last five years have been fake. Real estate markets like the last five years don't come around very often. Where, and what I mean by that is the market basically makes you look like a genius because it just goes up all the time. But when it turns, if you're over leveraged or you have too many projects or you have all this hard money going out, that you could very easily go bankrupt. So for you, selling it at a loss, I got to congratulate you. Because I saw, personally, I had six or eight people in my personal network in 08 that didn't sell, that were bankrupt by 09, right? They, they, they kept telling themselves that they were Warren Buffett or whatever genius they want to be, and that the market would eventually turn. They didn't want to take the loss, the L. And yeah. um, they paid the ultimate price. Some of them lost their you know, relationships over it. They all lost their, their wealth. So, you know. Good for you, right? Thank Selling you. it, I'm sure, was hard, but it was the best thing you could have done. And the crazy thing is, I thought I was prepared for a downturn as well. Don't forget, I had a lot of reserve. Yeah. But after paying all that money every month, the reserves dwindled, so my cash reserve were gone. Now I had all my savings that were in the market. The, the, the stuff that's in the stock market, those are long-term plays. You know, you buy a stock 20 years ago, it's going to go up. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part. Um. But yeah, like. Because my cash was all gone, I had yeah. to start pulling from those stock reserves. Ah. But what I didn't realize is that when there's a downturn, <laughs> the stock reserves also shrink too. <laughs> it's amazing so how like, that happens. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, oh, uh, I see. That's how people lose all their money. <laughs> like I had, I had money, but most of that money went away. Right? Yeah. It suddenly disappeared. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so you fast forward to today. Yeah. Uh, what have you learned? So... Funnily enough, I learned that losing money isn't that big of a deal. Ah, I like it's that. a big deal, and people get very emotional over it. But then when you lose it, you realize, okay, nothing has changed. You know, I still have my house, still have my car, still have my friends. Nice. Um, I still eat the same food. You know, my quality of life hasn't changed. It's just that my net worth has gone, yeah. and my ego has obviously been diminished awesome. significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I realize, of course, don't over leverage like that. Yeah. If possible, you know, uh, 
and, and we had opportunities to take quick wins on that deal, actually. Like we decided to make it into this nice house instead of try, trying to wholesale it or put it back on the market with, with better marketing. Because mm-hmm. at the time, we probably could have sold it for maybe 1.9 and gotten some, some profit. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's interesting. So yeah, that's a good question. If you had to do it again, right? If you had the magic time machine, is that what you would do? Um, you would just wholesale it? Uh, maybe you wouldn't take out the chimney? I mean, what, what would you do different? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I would, first of all, I would actually try to increase my network so that I have more people who can work on the project. Mm. I probably wouldn't do all this work if I had to. Like at the time, there was someone else trying to wholesale a deal on the same street for 1.825 and it was significantly less, um, you know, it was a lot worse than our property okay. in condition-wise and whatnot. So, you know, if we even wholesaled it at 1.825, we would have made money on that house. Okay. Yeah. So I think it would be, just be smarter about be smart about things. Yeah. But I think in the, in the long run, I mean, this, I mean, it probably doesn't feel good to say or hear, but, um, you're going to be much better off because real estate investing is something you could do for decades, right? You're going to be doing this yeah. for 50 years, taking yeah. that L and, and getting the scars because you're going to remember that house forever. Oh yeah. And, um, I'm fairly certain in saying you won't repeat that mistake, uh, which will, which will save you for going forward. So that's cool. We hope, I mean, we know there's always going to be mistakes. We hope we don't make the same mistakes twice. Yes. Yeah. The, the most expensive mistake is the one that is repeated. Yeah. 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 All right. So where, so I'm curious. So uh, as we wrap this up, I always, I always ask you to look into the future. So let's look out three to five years. What is, what is Sean doing three to five years out? Okay. So three to five years from now, I'm actually going full in on real estate in two months. I'm actually leaving my full-time job because yeah, it's crazy. So actually we work as a system engineer. Right now, I got a degree in electrical engineering, but I felt like that job was not very fulfilling to me. Whereas real estate, it's very creative. And I love the people who are in this business. You know, people like yourself are giving value all the time. Uh, People on my network group, same thing. They're giving so much value to people for free. You know, they want to see other people succeed. Yep. And, you know, I got inspired. I want to do the same thing too, which is why I actually hosted the podcast. I'm able to talk to people who are doing, you know, way better than I am and who understand things more. You know, I got humbled down, but there are people out there who, you know, they truly know more and I want to learn from them. And by actually hosting a podcast, I'm able to reach out and talk to people such as yourself. You know, like if I didn't have my podcast, I wouldn't be able to talk to you. Yep. And I mean, I knew you before. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. I'm just increasing my network base. So I'm hosting meetup groups here in the Bay Area and I also created a blog site. To be honest, I don't know the exact strategy I want to move on to. Buying properties, one rental at a time was great. But I do need to build up my capital stack as well. Yeah. So you're 29 and we're not sure what you're doing. Yeah. What I would tell you is you're in a unique position because you know buy and hold works and you have experience um, creating what I call chunk cash, whether that's either wholesaling or or flipping. Yeah. I just think what you're going to experience now is you're going to now enter a full cycle because you only rode the wave up. Yep. Now you're going to see what it feels like to roll over and you're going to gain so much experience. You're, you're probably going to continue to flip in the Bay Area, I would guess. But I think you need to be more strategic how you do chunk off money and, and either buy more in Jacksonville or, or, or wherever it is. Because um, even flipping and making six-figure checks is still a job and it, it can all go away as you've experienced once already. So that's what I think is in your future. Make sense? Something looking forward to. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, this has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I want to thank you for giving us some time. I look forward to being invited to your meetup group. 
Absolutely. I'll send you a link right now. There you go. All right, buddy. Let's get on Facebook. There you go. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for giving me your time. This has been a great story. And uh, I look forward to uh, congratulations on uh, being out in two months. That's, That's a big deal. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be on your show. All right, Sean. Take care of yourself. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye. I had a blast on Michael's show. Here are some of the key takeaways that you should get from this episode. I made the mistake of getting too greedy for deals. In early 2018, I wanted to get into some new deals, and instead of trying to get more deals and more leads, I jumped on the few that presented themselves to me. I also over-leveraged and got myself into too many properties at the same time. And I learned that when the market goes down, your reserves and other assets go down too, unless you're keeping it all in cash. In the end, flipping homes is still a job, and it can all go away. You need to get more buy and hold investments. In the long run, I think these losses are good for me. I've definitely learned more from my failures than from my successes, and I hope I won't repeat the same mistakes. Even though I've lost some money, nothing's really changed. I still have the same lifestyle, same group of friends, and a slightly lowered ego. I'm in a unique position where I know that buy and hold works, and I have experience with creating that chunk capital. If you're interested in getting more details about my story, as well as seeing the photos from my projects, check out my website at everythingrei.com. That's everythingrei.com. And if you're in the Bay Area, come to my meetups, where you'll be able to network with other real estate investors and professionals. You can find us at meetup.com svreim. And for all of you out there who are struggling or feeling like you aren't where you want to be in life, I get it. Don't worry. When you're successful, you'll look back at the years you struggled with a sense of pride and a smile. The future looks bright. Keep going and you will succeed. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Tan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.